0: Hey there friends and welcome back to another episode of the euphoria health podcast it's been a while since we last spoke and i hope that you're safe and well and you've had an amazing start to 2021 i'm so sorry that i've been mia from the podcast for the past month or two i've been immersed in my study knuckling down for an exam i had last week It's been a whirlwind start to 2021, personally, and I'm so, so excited to see what this year brings. I'm really glad and grateful to welcome you back, folks. I have some incredible guests lined up for you this year from the podcast front and cannot wait to hear your feedback. For any new listeners out there, firstly, welcome to the show. And secondly, I am Matt Sapala, I am your host. I am a qualified personal trainer and I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutrition. My passion for health and wellness started in my late teens after years and years of failed attempts at losing weight and years of crash dieting. Those five or so years of emotional and physical abuse to my body led me down a self-destructive path of using exercise as punishment for the food I ate, and I never really grasped the concept of fueling my body. During this time, I discovered a tool called calorie counting, or you may know it as the if it fits your macros approach, where you precisely work out your daily energy requirements and eat exactly that amount of calories. If you're wanting to gain weight, you increase your calories. If you're wanting to lose weight, you decrease your calories. And I'm not gonna lie and say that it didn't help me lose weight initially, because it did. But what I failed to see at the time was the emotional trauma that I was putting myself through each and every day. You see, looking at food through a caloric lens can be dangerous and what we often see is people disregarding the nutrient profile of each individual food and making nutrition choices based on the caloric value. For example, someone may choose to have a bag of M&Ms over having a handful of almonds because they share similar caloric values. but What we're failing to see is the makeup of these foods are extremely different and the health properties that almonds contain are far greater than the health properties that M&Ms contain. So we're just trying to bridge that gap between caloric value and understanding that versus nutrient density and what nutrients are actually in the foods we're choosing I went on a little bit of a tangent there and dove straight into today's topic without introducing this week's guest but you guys would remember Jackie Franges carcass from way back in episode 60 where her and I discussed the female reproductive cycle Little side note here, ladies and gents, if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you do so. Jackie is a wealth of knowledge with a master's in prosthetics under Help Out, as well as finishing her studies as a nutritionist at the moment. Jackie and I are so passionate about holistic health, and we just want to rule out crappy health advice and start promoting health and longevity, because after all, quality of life is far As I alluded to before, friends, this week's topic is somewhat controversial in the health and fitness scene. But both Jackie and I want to add in a little disclaimer that we're not totally against calorie counting as a whole. It serves a unique purpose in understanding the caloric value of foods you're consuming. However, we both came to the consensus that we should be using this carefully and under the guidance of a qualified professional This topic is really, really close to both of our hearts having experienced both the positive and the negative side effects of this talk. So hopefully you guys can grasp some of that from this episode. As normal friends, the Euphoria Health Podcast is intended to provide advice of a general nature only and any modifications to your lifestyle should be done so under the guidance of a health professional. Well, that's all from me, friends. Over to you, Jackie frangis Carcas. Jackie frangis carcass welcome back for your second appearance on the weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. How are you? you good, thanks. I see you've been practicing my surname. Yeah, no, <laughs> I have been practicing off. <laughs> I had a little bit of practice in our last podcast. I'm pretty happy with myself, actually.
1: No, you've done well. You want
0: to love it first hurdle over the way guys we've just me and jackie have just been experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties so i apologize if that happens during today's episode we're discussing about the MBN and how it's the best thing since sliced bread but we're both experiencing technical difficulties so it can't be that good at this point in time oh too good Love it. Now, Jackie, this is something that is really, really a passion project of both of ours, and something that we've sort of experienced um, within our sort of weight loss health journeys. And I really think it's a, a really relevant topic we're going to talk about, and that's counting calories. Definitely,
1: it's something that I have been through personally myself. It's something that my clients always ask about. It's something that's promoted all over social media, and there's just it's such a surface level um, when they talk about it on social media that I th- think people don't understand the issues that I'm going to say, I'm going to call them issues, the issues that come with calorie counting.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's what the beauty of sharing both of our journeys with this and, and some alternative methods during today's episode. And hopefully the, the listeners can grasp a little bit about that guys, just to, you know, preface and, and a little disclaimer that, Jackie and I are not totally against calorie counting. We think that it does serve a purpose in someone's life in terms of understanding what macronutrients or how many calories are in a certain product. But for prolonged period of times, prolonged periods of time, that's when, you know, it can potentially start to become detrimental. And we've both sort of experienced the detrimental um, side effects and connotations associated with that. Would you agree there, Jackie?
1: Yeah, totally. It's definitely got its purpose and the science is there to back it up. Like we're not knocking calories in versus calories out or calorie counting itself. It's totally there for a reason, but it's, as I said, it's the broader issues and the looking at it from so many other angles and not just the calories themselves, but what else it does to an individual um, that is so important. Um, yeah, I just think people just see it as a thing and then they delve into it and then they find all these problems arise and that's what I'd prefer to stop from happening. And yeah, look, I definitely use calories and the idea of calories in my practice and when I'm working with clients, Um, but it's very, very targeted and very, I have a very particular approach about the way I speak about calories to my clients.
0: Yeah, I think that's really, really important. You touched on the language and, and the approach. I think it's super, super relevant. And for any fitness professionals listening that do currently adopt this method within their clients or even on themselves, it's really important that, you know, you you watch the language and watch the approach that you're utilizing this method with. Now, Jackie, I think it's probably really important that we preface a conversation with what macronutrients are and what the if it fits your macros approach is. And then we can sort of dive into, you know, your journey and your experience experiences taking on this realm. So I'll let you take it from here.
1: Yeah. So our macronutrients are basically the nutrients that we need in life in the largest amount. And I think most of your listeners would probably have heard that proteins, carbohydrates, and fats are our three main macronutrients that people tend to focus on. So um, proteins break down into amino acids inside the body. Then you have carbohydrates that break down into glucose and then you've got fats that turn into fatty acids inside the body and they're the units that get used within the body. Um, now what each macronutrient has a different caloric value so basically what that means is that for every for an example one gram of carbohydrate that we eat we're going to gain four calories of energy just remember that energy, the calories are an energy unit, just like how you have watts for like an 80 watt light globe. Calories are the same kind of thing, but for food. So it's an energy measure. So for every one gram of carbohydrate, we get four grams of calories. For every one gram of protein, we get four calories. And for every one gram of fat, we get nine calories. So fats actually contain more energy units per gram than the other two. That sort of leads on into what um, macro counting, I guess, is and the whole if it fits your macros or IIFYM, the common hashtag that's used on the Instagram these days. (laughs) Um, So if it fits your macros is basically when people via certain equations, they'll decide they're going to get X amount of protein, X amount of carbs and X, X amount of fats within their day. And then they'll use a food tracking app like MyFitnessPal to make sure that they're hitting those targets. So someone might say, want to be hitting 100 grams of protein a day. So every time they enter in protein, they're going to make sure that they don't go over or don't go under that macronutrient measure. Um, yeah, is there anything else you want to add there, Matt?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really, really great sort of surface mm. start to this chat. And I guess just following on from that a little bit, Jackie, when you're using these equations, they're sort of very, very generic and they're outdated for lack of a better term, aren't they?
1: Yes, I would totally agree with that. So here's a fun fact for you. So first of all, I think we need to say that um, your total macro breakdown will sort of equate to a calorie goal as well. So you will have that calorie equation within your macro calculations too. Now, that calorie equation, fun fact, was actually created back in I think the date was 1918. It was in response to World War One and in response to it, the famine that was going on and making sure that we could have enough energy to sustain human life. Now, I don't know about you, but 1918 was over 100 years ago and to me that's a really long time. <laughs>
0: Definitely.
1: Especially in the world of science and especially in the world of food. So fast forward about what is it? 80 or 70 years, 60 years. (laughs) My maths isn't that good. Fast forward a bunch of years and they actually revised that calorie equation back in the 80s. So in the 1980s, that calorie equation was revised. Now, again, that is also about 40 years ago. So that is also super old in terms of science. And if you look at the way food has developed, this day and age, the amount of sweeteners and colors and flavorings and preservatives and all those kinds of things that are pumped into food, they're only new. And we're still trying to figure out if they have a caloric value, if, you know, sugar, alcohols and sweeteners do affect to our calorie intake. So I think it's really not, again, not knocking the calorie equation, but I think it needs to be looked at based on the modern food that we have today and what You know, a lot of people that do this, if it fits your macros approach, more often than not, they're doing it so they can get bad food in. You know, the amount of times that I've seen girls being like, oh my God, yay, my coach has put in ice cream every night. Or yay, I get a donut for breakfast. Yay, I get to add chocolate to my oats in the morning. Like it's, it, it just completely neglects health and it's done as an excuse to fit bad food in. And I just think it, creates a really bad setup for some people and neglects any idea of health and a longer term approach to health.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there Jackie. I think that it's a really oversimplified version of health and it gains a lot of momentum and traction because it works. And like without, you know, beating around the bush, it does work, you know. If you're constantly tracking your calories and precisely fitting you know, the exact number of calories that you need per day and hitting those targets as well as exercising, you're going to lose weight, you're going to achieve your goals, which is why it is so marketable for people. But I guess when you're sort of pigeonholing that uh, that focus and you've really got, you know, tunnel vision on goal-driven success for how you want to look, it sort of neglects all the other avenues that are involved in health. And, and we've spoken about this many times off air about that weight isn't the only biomarker of a healthy individual. Yes, weight is important, but weight is not the only biomarker. So there's plenty of other things that you can be doing that can make you healthy or unhealthy, regardless of your weight. 100%.
1: Um, I always say to people, you know, you might be skinny, quote, unquote, skinny, but does your hair grow? Do you have nice, clear skin? Do you have energy levels that are all, you know, bounding of energy throughout the morning? You're consistent throughout the day and then by the time it's ready to go to bed, are you able to actually fall asleep at night? Um, Is your digestion well? Do you poo every day or is it every second day? Do you poo too much? You know, there are so many other factors that aren't even, you know, necessarily a blood biomarker but just a general life thing that you can measure your health by and people tend to neglect them because they go, oh, well, I'm lean. It doesn't matter anyway. I'll tell you right now, I was the leanest I've ever been in my life with a full six pack bulging and I was the unhealthiest I have ever been in my life. So I think it's important that we need to take away in, in my eyes, this is going to come across really mean, but I don't mean it (laughs) meanly. that I think a lot of coaches that calorie count are doing it as a easy, an easy approach. It's an easy way to get your client's results physically, but it doesn't tackle the mentality behind food. It doesn't tackle the health behind food. It doesn't tackle all those other extraneous variables that play into one's life, not just their aesthetics. And I think that's a really important thing that I think it's a really simple approach for a coach to use because the mathematical equation, it can be applied to a bunch of people. It's very simple and it will work but it doesn't focus on all the other aspects of food. And when I work with my clients personally, I prefer to tackle everything because in my eyes, people don't get overweight because they're eating bad food. Everyone knows bad food is bad. They're overeating or eating bad food because of a deeper issue. And that what you need to tackle in my eyes to get a real long lasting result and create that again, quote unquote lifestyle. I hate that term because it's blasted through everywhere, but to genuinely create a life for yourself where you can live happy day in, day out.
0: You hit the nail on the head there, Jackie. I I could not agree more with that. And I guess for people that are not familiar with the, if it fits your macros approach, this is basically the rundown of how it would work. So you would go on to, let's just say this website that has the equation that we spoke about earlier, already inbuilt into the system. You would enter your body weight, your height, your activity levels, um, your perceived goal. Then it will give you like a rough approach to how much weight you would like to lose or gain over the next sort of X amount of time for whatever your goal is. And then it will spit out this equation with how many calories that you need for the day to survive. So that's a basic breakdown Breakdown of the if it fits your macros approach. Jackie, I know we're going to dive right deep into why this may not be the best option for some, but I think it's really, really important again, just to reiterate the fact that we are not totally against calorie counting it's fantastic that it gets people goal driven it gets people moving and it gets people sticking to something which is fantastic but it's a great platform and a building block to start you know focusing on all these other markers of health so again guys not totally against calorie counting just providing you with a more in-depth picture and potentially another option that may help you reach your goals
1: yeah totally Um, again, it's about, it's about how you educate it to your client. You know, as from a coach's perspective, you need to make sure, I think it's your duty of care, you know, do no harm to go on. And if you're going to use the calorie equation, you need to explain the pros and cons and what you're expecting, um, because it can lead people down a rabbit hole where they can't get out of, and it just can create so much havoc. Um, from personal experience, just to tell a bit of background for me and I probably, like I said before, I was the leanest ever, but the most unhealthiest was when I did my bodybuilding competition. But, you know, I basically calorie counted, which in that scheme where it's an extreme sport where you need to get to a certain level, a certain body fat percentage, you kind of can't not do it. Um, but it led me down a really unhealthy way in that I was counting calories, but I lost my period And I lost it for over a year and didn't get things back to normal for about three years. I had really bad hormonal acne, in particular around my chin area. I was a moody bitch. Um, I was horrible to my partner at the time. But everyone around me was like, oh, my God, you look amazing. Wow, you're so ripped. Oh, my God, check your abs out. Everyone was saying all these things to me that complemented my aesthetic approach. But no one really knew what was going on inside of me except for probably like my best mates and my partner um and as a woman which we've touched on in our first podcast it's so important that we have that healthy regular menstrual cycle and I completely sorry to swear but I completely fucked that up with the way I did calorie counting and it's, you know, I was doing it so I could fit in certain bad foods and I could treat myself to, you know, an ice cream here or there. Um, but I wasn't getting those nutrients in and I had much more complex digestive issues and things like that going on that it was, it was horrible. Um, like, again, sorry, listeners, sorry, Matt, but, like, <laughs> this is gross. I, my digestion was so screwed. I was, I reckon I was using my bowels like upwards of six times a day. I was seeing food in my stool. I was, um, on the brink of a thyroid condition. Like I nearly pushed myself into an autoimmune thyroid condition because of how much I was under eating and in particular undereating carbohydrates. Um, and it was just, again, I'd lost, it was like, I lost all perspectives of everything else, health. And all I could focus on was the calories, and that if I can stop even just one woman from heading down that track, I am a one person, not just a woman, I am a happy individual to get there. Um, yeah, that's my personal experience of calorie counting in particular. And, like, look, it, as I said, it works. I was the most ripped thing ever. But I wasn't healthy, not even in the slightest.
0: Yeah, it's so, you know, it's crazy to look back on those periods and and look at in this sort of from this perspective when at that point in time, you know, you may have not looked at it in that perspective because you were so goal driven, which was fine at the time. But it's fantastic that you're able to look at it through a different lens now and realize how much you've grown and how much you've evolved and and. I guess, looked at all the other markers of your health and realized that now you are truly thriving, whereas then you were really pigeonholing your health and really associating health with your body image. Definitely. Totally agree. And I think what that's where you? it all begins. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was yeah, just I about to, to, to elaborate that <laughs> on that as well. <laughs> Sorry, we're um, fighting for words here, Jackie. <laughs> yeah. You can tell we're so passionate about it. Seriously. Uh-huh. Yeah, so my calorie counting journey, it was sort of like – for me it was about halfway through my weight loss journey and I have shared this with the listeners before but basically I found calorie counting as a a tool to get me out of a plateau. So a plateau is what we call in the industry where you basically have a halt in progression after making progress. Guys so for me, it was about halfway through my journey. I was quite an overweight kid. I lost the first eight to ten kilos, I think, quite easily because all I did was changed little bits of my lifestyle, and, and I thought that that was, you know, a great sort of kickstarter for me. So I changed little bits of my lifestyle. I was eating really, really refined foods. Um, with the quantity of foods that I was eating was. Way, way, way too much for what I actually needed. So I sort of refined those down. Naturally, lost a little bit of weight, which was awesome. Kickstarter for me, and then I reached this plateau. And for me, I got into conversation with people at the gym I was at, and that's when I found out about calorie counting. And for me, it was amazing at the start. I'm like, oh my god, I can, you know, I can still have half a block of chocolate at night, but all I have to do is not have breakfast. Like, how good's that? Like, I can incorporate big bowl of ice cream at night, but if I just don't have any fats and just have like a iceberg lettuce for lunch, how good's that? You know, like I can still make progress and eat the things I want. That's fantastic. That led me down a really, really unhealthy relationship with food. And it really spiraled out of control from that point. And I guess when I was in punching in the equation in the, um, if it fits your macros calculator on the internet, it, it gave me this ridiculous equation that I'd need 2,200 calories to maintain all of my training. And I thought, what, that's way too much. How am I going to lose weight off 2,200? So I'll strip it right back. So I went off 1,200 calories. So I cut down 1,000 calories from that. And what we know now, Jackie, is that a toddler needs 1,200 calories to be able to thrive optimally. And that is definitely not enough for a 16 year old teenager exercising six, seven times a week Especially a growing male, like <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, twelve hundred calories, and I'm sure you can you can find out what happens next. I did that from Monday to Friday, was really really disciplined, really really strict, and it got to Saturday. And in that, if it fits your macros approach, and and I'm sure it's evolved a little bit. But back when I was doing it, we were sort of associating a day off calorie counting with a cheat day. And a cheat day consisted of as many calories of all different types of food as you want. And obviously, if you're depriving your body of those sort of healthy, fibrous, nutritious foods throughout the week, um, sorry, if you're depriving your body of those sweet sort of foods throughout the week and and the unhealthy quote unquote foods throughout the week, you're going to binge on them on the weekend on your cheat day, because there's no rules, right? Calories don't count on the weekends. And then that led me to a real emotional battle. So I'd, I'd, you know, be really strict from Monday to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I tip the scale on the other end and just consume as many calories as I possibly could. And then I refined my, my lifestyle and started eating more whole foods, still working within that 12 to 1500 calories, per day and i lost a little bit of weight and i felt a little bit better because i was consuming whole foods instead of processed foods. so it would consist of like chicken brown rice and broccoli and then yeah again on the weekend i would still consume those unhealthy foods in high amounts and got to a point where for me i, I was counting cucumber and tracking cucumber and carrot in my my fitness pal um, tracker I've
1: and Oh, uh, isn't it crazy that we did that?
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy, and that was a turning point for me. And then I realized, well, cucumber is ninety six percent water. What am I doing counting this? And um, and then that was sort of the awakening for me, and it led me on a different journey, which I'm yeah so grateful. And don't get me wrong, I'm really grateful that I went through those sort of periods, so I can understand what it's like to thrive and what it's un- understand what it's like to be quote unquote healthy um yep. so I did it did serve a purpose in my life but it was very very detrimental not only physically but mentally as well
1: definitely and I feel like for me personally you spoke about your turning point like I feel a lot of women can relate to me with this one I remember when my turning point it was literally as clear as day I was at a wedding one day and I was I was about six months post bodybuilding comp and I was still very into tracking everything and trying to keep lean and not you know post comp blowout eat here all the time Um, And I was sitting at a wedding and I was looking at all the food in front of me on the table and I was like, oh, I could still eat that, but I shouldn't because I know I've had, I've probably had roughly this much and I want to drink tonight so I should save my calories for the alcohol. And then I remember looking over and I was looking at this girl in front of me who was chatting away with some mates and she was pissing herself laughing, had a glass of wine in her hand that she kept chugging, had a piece of pizza in her other hand that she was chowing down on and she looked fucking amazing. And I was like, this girl is over there having this amazing time and having the most fun in her life and does not care right now about anything. And I'm sitting here looking at the food in front of me, contemplating whether or not I should have some more because I know I'm probably close to my calorie cap. Like, I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I literally like slapped myself in the face in that moment. Like, or not literally, figuratively. (laughs) Um, I I was like, No, like you need to pull yourself out of this. Like, come on, you're a strong woman. No one's going to remember you for the six pack that you had when you were the age of 23, but people will remember you for how you made them feel and the memories that they've got with you and the fun times, which to me is the bigger picture. And here I was sitting worrying about the way I looked when no one no one gives a fuck. No one literally is looking at me going, oh, she's got a six pack. I'm going to go like make some jokes with her and have a dance with her. No one's saying that ever. You know, everyone wants to hang out with you because you're fun. And at the end of the day, we're all on this. We don't, you know, we don't get a dress rehearsal at life. We need to go enjoy our life and we need to learn how to eat in a healthy way to get there. That was, yeah, that was my epiphany. That was my turning point um, that I was like, wow, life is way bigger than just
0: the amount of calories that we're eating. And if we have a six pack or not. So true, Jackie. So, so true. And uh, much the same as you, when I was in the midst of my calorie counting phase, God forbid, if you know, one of my friends or, or I was eating dinner out, or I was had a meal that someone else cooked for me. I remember vividly, I was standing by the stove when my girlfriend's parents had just made this amazing curry. And I'm sitting there and asking her like, Oh, how much of this did you put in there? What else did you put in there? oh my God, did you put coconut milk in there? Oh no, that means I can only have a little bit of this. And I'm just like, look back on it now. I'm just like, oh my God, like I've made such an incredible moment that someone has actually cooked for me. And, and you know, I've taken away that that human connection that we get from food and that that happiness that we get from food, the interaction. And, and I've made it a bad thing by counting calories and, and really placing a negative with, the meal that someone just cooked for me. And I, like, I praise for dealing with that because that was horrible looking back on now and the stress that she must've gone through just to be able to fit my macros would have just been crazy.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, you know, point number one, that's the issue is there's a huge mental health aspect that people neglect when it comes to counting calories. You know, you have that disruption of that food enjoyment and that enjoyment of life. And so much of our culture, especially here in Australia, is around food and drink and, you know, getting together over a nice big dinner. Like if you're sitting there with your phone underneath the table, trying to punch in an estimated calories, or, you know, you've looked up the menu before you've gone out so you can enter in an estimated calories. It's just a bit warped in my eyes. Like you're missing out on what life is really about. And so often, You know, we hear you talk about that your health isn't just about your physical health, it's also your mental health and your social health and your spiritual health. Well, counting calories completely neglects all of that because people get sucked in and drawn into it and they just purely look at food as that and they're not grateful for the things around them that brings, you know, food brings people together. It really does. And people lose that connection. And I know so many Instagrammers that go, oh food like they mock people like us of what we're saying and they go oh counting calories gives you an eating disorder bite me I'm like well it actually does do you work with clients because as far as I'm concerned I don't know that you do anymore not closely because you've got this huge program that's targeted at getting thousands and thousands of people in you can't tell me you work closely with them like I never have a goal in my coaching career to coach the masses I don't want to do that I want to coach and have quality control where I know my clients and I know that right now they are looking at their phone getting so far out of control because they're, all they're focused on is the numbers we need to work on their mental health. Um, it's just, you know, calorie counting. I'm sorry. It does. It brings about eating disorders. And there's if so you, much
0: literature out there to, to actually prove this as well. Jackie, yeah. isn't there?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you could, you, you oh it just (laughs) this is like really firing me up
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely and like I think it's it's a great tool to, you know, take that first step and be immersed in this whole sort of health journey. If you're going to take a step, it's it's a fantastic form of education. Long term it can have eating disorder side effects that we spoke about and we've both experienced firsthand. And I guess when we're talking about eating disorder, it doesn't have to be clinically diagnosed to be an eating disorder. You can show signs and symptoms of body dysmorphia and distorted eating without having a clinical diagnosis. Diagnosis, and I think it's really hard to be able to realize these sort of signs and symptoms for yourself when you're completely immersed in that field. And it's also equally as hard for someone to be able to tell you that you have these yeah. things happening while you have tunnel vision and while you're immersed in this field. So I guess we're talking from an objective point of view. We've lived and breathed this this sort of experience before. So we can see the effects that it had on us looking back and we can see those little signs and early signs of symptoms in other people that are in this field at the moment
1: and again it's about you know being if you're the friend that's dealing with someone who has that like having the right tools that you know you speak to someone if you need help to help someone else if because a lot of the times that people don't realize that they've actually got that way of disordered eating as you said it doesn't need to be clinically diagnosed like if you're sitting there and you're turning your eating into a mathematical equation in my eyes that's disordered eating if you have that binge restrict cycle going on like you did yourself, Matt, that is also disordered eating. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a consistent, you know, thing. You can ebb and flow out of it. It's about getting yourself where you are consistently healthy, where you are consistently, you know, living that lifestyle and creating that lifestyle for yourself. Um, you know, and as you said, we definitely use this as a tool. Like I've used it with girls that I've worked with that have eating disorders um, to purely like on both ends of the spectrum with girls that are overweight, I've used it to say, hey, let's have a look at this portion size that you've just served yourself. We've got all this food in it. I'm going to put it into my fitness power. That's a, you know, 1,000-calorie meal. Can you now see where you might be going wrong? You use it as an education tool or where... I take it from my, you know, anorexic client and I'll say, this is what you're eating in a day. And it would literally be like 500 calories for a whole day. And I'll, I I personally, as their coach will punch it into my fitness pal and I will show them, you are only getting 500 calories and you need 2000 calories to sustain your life. If you were to, you know, not do much exercise in a day or whatever. And they go, oh, wow. Because a lot of the times they didn't realize how much they're actually under eating. So it can definitely be used as that education tool in those two mental health aspects of obesity and anorexia. Um, But when people like you need to have that coach or someone there by your side and you need to, as a coach, be using the right language, using the right words, you know, the simple thing is of me punching the numbers in is a very big difference as well. Like I will never make them do it themselves. I'll do it and I'll show it to them and then we'll talk about it. Um, So it's definitely a useful tool, but it can also drive it when you're, it can also drive those eating disorders when you're in the wrong headspace or you're utilizing that tool wrong. You know, like if I was to go and pick up an angle grinder and I use it backwards, I'm going to fuck myself up. Again, it's just another tool, right? It's a tool that you use and it can be used wrong. You've got to make sure that you're using it in the right way with the right support system around you.
0: That analogy of the angle grinder has means stitches.
1: <laughs> i was just picturing myself turning it on
0: and like slicing my <laughs> finger in half. Oh, my God. What a picture you've painted, Jackie. We've spoken about a, the quantification of a complex system in terms of, you know, counting calories. And it's a really simple, oversimplified process of the whole body system, which is, you know, completely completely complex and there's so many different facets so we've spoken about that we've also spoken about the restrict and binge culture from personal experience so I guess uh, entail how to rectify the restrict and binge culture would be to start listening to your body which I know we're going to touch on a bit later on in the podcast we've also spoken about the guilt associated with going over your daily needs so when you've got that equation that it's punched out for you. Let's just use a round number. Let's use 1500, 2000, 2000 calories. It's a perfect one. If you've gone over those 2000 calories, there's a lot of guilt associated with that. And I guess that leads into using exercise as punishment. And I know for me personally, they were some of my darker days when I went over my calorie intake, I would think that balance, right? I need to go thrash myself in the gym to make sure that I maintain equilibrium, which is a really, really detrimental mindset to have, um, from a weight loss perspective. So I guess from that exercise as punishment, um, perspective, the one thing that really got me out of that situation was to start using exercise as a celebration of what my body can achieve. So start setting mini challenges that my body could achieve. For example, it was complete a hundred burpees at the end of a session. That's a fantastic, you know, challenge that you can complete at the end of the session. But instead of looking at it, oh, I'm going to do these burpees because I ate a whole packet of Tim Tams, look at it in the light of, I'm going to do these burpees because I'm bloody fit and use it as a celebration of what your body can do rather than using it as a a punishment for the foods that you ate. Did you experience anything like that, Jackie, during your day? Oh, totally, totally. Um, You, yeah,
1: you eat something and you're like, God, I've smashed myself in this. I've got to make sure that I do, you know, two sessions a day plus go for a run. Like, oh, and during my bodybuilding days, I was doing six sessions of cardio a week as well as seven sessions of weights. Like that is a lot. Um, and you know, then if you have a laborious job or a job where you're walking around all the time or a job that's highly stressful, that in turn also burns calories. So you're going to end up running yourself into the ground, which biochemically ends up stuffing you up in terms of your cortisol levels, your HBA access, your stress levels, everything like that, which in turn can also affect your hormones, which affect your weight and your weight gain or things like fluid retention, which can then, you know, you look down and you're all puffy and fluidy, then you want to restrict your calories even more. Like it's just this really crazy cycle. So look, I've definitely been there where I've used exercise as punishment, but the, the, I didn't make this up. I've seen it on social media where it says, would you still exercise if it didn't burn calories? Would you still do that? I love that quote because I think so many people can speak to it because so many people punish themselves or they go, huh, I've got to burn off the donuts that I ate last night. Like I hate it when people say that, like I can get it. I make the joke and laugh and whatever. But truly it burns me because it's a little, it's that notion that's been put into our heads that we've got to exercise off whatever we've eaten instead of appreciating food for what it is and moving forward. You know, if you go and have donuts one night, that's great, but move on. Let's talk about the next day and let's focus on getting nutrients into your day because food is an amazing thing. And so often we're looking at trying to restrict calories. Why? Like if, we, if there was no such thing as calories, if we didn't have calories exist, we'd be dead calories fuel our body and we lose that connection with food. Um, yeah, with exercise, you've, I think asking that question all the time. And I love what you say about putting that physical challenge in testing your body, um, creating a physical goal instead of that aesthetic goal is so much better. Um, you know, that's why like I love tracking PBs with my clients. Like when my girls get like a hundred kilo deadlift, it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And those wins are way more, I think, healthy than it is to, you know, be getting down to a size four in your clothes or getting, you know, your six pack happening. I think those physical goals make it so much better. And it, it talks about what exercise is essentially truly designed for. It's designed to make your, your insides work better. It's designed to make you healthier it shouldn't be used as a punishment system.
0: I could not agree more there, Jackie. And I guess just wrapping that little segment off in a bow that if you're still utilising exercise as a punishment, and for example, if the calculation has spitted out that you need 2000 calories per day, but you're exercising four times per day, but you've only logged in the system that you're exercising once per day, the goalposts shift again. So therefore you're energy requirements will be higher than 1500 calories a day. So therefore, if you're still maintaining that 1500 calories a day, plus adding three extra sessions, you know, that's where the problems start to arise. And that's where we start to tweak those equations that are there put out for us based on the information that we put in but then if we manipulate them even more that's when the problems can start to arise further and personally that's what happened with me I thought oh there's no real harm in in manipulating them you know two or three hundred calories or even a thousand at some points in my journey either way which is which is not the right approach.
1: And I think that can also happen unintentionally like I it's something that I've spoken to my clients about when they have counted calories in the past like What about the days where you unintentionally move more? What about the days that are super stressful? What about the days where you, you know, this weekend personally for me, I worked in the garden and, you know, we built a bloody fence and we dug holes and we stained the deck and painted things. Like it is so much movement, way more than I would do in a normal day. Like I'm going to need to eat more for that day. But then people just get so strong on that equation. They go, oh, no, like I better stick to that. And they stick to that equation. Then they get hungry. Then they don't sleep well because their food's malnourished, their body's malnourished. And then when they wake up, you know, in after a bad sleep, they get that stress again. And then you can get things like fluid retention, which just looking at you yourself again in that, in that fluidy way, you think you look shit. And then it just creates a whole nother, it, it's just this big snowball that it doesn't account that calorie equation doesn't account for all those other things that can happen in life you know that are that are spontaneous and those things tend to often be the best things the spontaneous things um yes, you know or, yeah like you just it's such a reductionist view looking at just a calorie equation and a certain number you've got to actually look at your day and then people just get so you know caught in that deprivation food is just about, you know, deprivation and being deprived and making sure you're under that number. it's It sucks. It's gross. I hate it.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely, Jackie. And I guess following on from that sort of vicious cycle that we spoke about before, say you have a day where you're exerting more energy and you're um, moving a little bit more than your standard day, then you potentially stick to the same amount of calories that you could have been that the uh, macro calculator has sput out for you. And then you have a poor sleep that night that follows on into the next day. And when we, we know what the science tells us is when we're tired, we tend to make poor choices with our food consumption. So we start to go for those refined carbohydrate foods that leads us into another sort of down another sort of path where we start to feel crap for the foods that we ate. And then that opens up another can of worms about the mental health implications of exercising to burn off those sort of um, calories that we ate. And then we try and over complicate this system when it could just be backtrack a little bit and to stop all those things falling on. It's just consuming things that your body tells you to do and listening to your body which I think is what we're about to dive into as well Jackie.
1: A hundred percent I couldn't have said that any better like it's just such a fun effect and that's why calorie counting is yeah like I said it's that reductionist view you're looking at it from one aspect it doesn't take into consideration anything else Um, you know unless you're a either very rational person that can just look at that and that only and then get over it, which is very, very, very few people. I don't think I've even met one that would be able to do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's funny you say that as well, Jackie, I was listening to a podcast the other day with Simon Hill from Plant Proof, and he was saying that when you're looking, they were using the ketogenic diet, for an example. And he said, when you're looking at the keto diet and the literature is based off these people that are doing the perfect keto diet, so they're eating quote unquote, grass fed or uh, grain fed or grass fed, whatever it is. I'm not immersed in this culture anymore, but I think it was grass fed beef. And then they're consuming precisely the right amounts. They're having all following it strictly. They're basing the literature off the person that is following it strictly. But then you add a practical element in there to the person that can't necessarily afford grass fed beef. They're going to get beef from the supermarket, which we know opens up another can of worms, it's fed with antibiotics yeah. and all these other things. It's not fed on grass, it's fed on grain, which entail stops your ketosis process, but that's a different story anyway. So when these sort of elements are, are, are researched, they're not researching the practical element, they're researching the element that fits their narrative, if that makes sense. So I guess understanding and looking from a practical lens and and really digging deeper and asking yourself the question, is this practical for me? Is it practical for me to count calories for the rest of my life? And the simple answer is no, it's not. We can't count calories for the rest of our life.
1: If you can prove to me that you're going to count calories for majority for 90% of your life, I am sorry for you. I feel really sorry for you because you are missing out on so much enjoyment. Like, God, I could not even fucking fathom doing that ever again, to be honest. Like, not my thing. And, um, yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. (laughs) Love (laughs) it. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say I have complete and utter respect for those health professionals, those coaches, even the influencers on Instagram, if you can look at all the science and understand every aspect and have such a sciencey mind and know what is best for a human in terms of their health, but then make a practical approach about it, I have full respect. Because that is, I think, one of the biggest challenges and one of the things that people and more often than not health professionals neglect is the real life situation. Um, And I think being able to find that balance between what you know in science and creating it in a practical manner for whoever you're working with is a huge factor that we all need to be looking at.
0: Definitely, and I guess that's the beauty of this episode here, Jackie. We're providing the science and what the literature says and then adapting our personal sort of experiences to that. So we're giving the listeners a broad view of it. And I guess, sorry, before we dive deep into how we can rectify some of these issues and some alternate approaches, another thing that I think is super, super relevant is low-calorie sweetness. and that comes from the restricting mentality and trying to squeeze those Quote unquote bad foods into your lifestyle, but without the calories that it comes with it. Like, for example, I'm sure you guys would have heard of Coke Zero as opposed to having the real Coke. Coke Zero marketed zero calories, Coca Cola marketed, I don't know, upwards of 400 calories. So, if you're in, in a calorie counting mindset, what would you choose? I'd naturally gravitate towards the zero calorie, artificially sweetened Coca Cola because it tastes the same and I'm getting no calories. It's, it's a win win. But We need to break that down further and we need to understand what these artificial sweeteners are actually doing to our body. And there's more and more research surfacing about what these sweeteners are doing. And I'd love to open up this can of worms because I think it's so relevant, Jackie.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. It's, as you said, it is the newest research. And as I mentioned at the very beginning, it's the stuff that we haven't factored in with that calorie equation. Um, The newest science now is showing that these low calorie sweeteners or no calorie sweeteners, the sugar, alcohols and all of that actually have a huge effect on our gut microbiome. And anyone who follows me or in here that knows how big I am on the gut microbiome because I truly believe it is the centre for all health conditions. I think in 50 years, we're going to be finding that everything can be linked back to the gut microbiome because right now we're finding that our gut microbiome are the little minions inside our body that turn genes on and off and it's the genes that run what we end up producing whether we get cancer or heart disease or not. So I think that when we find that the microbiome has an effect on the rest of our body, we're going to be finding more from the not most of our big um, fatal diseases in the western world are going to be linked back to the gut. So these calories those no calorie sweeteners they can do things like adhere to the gut wall, they can feed the bad gut microbiome and cause an imbalance or a shift in the, um, the good versus the bad bacteria in the gut. Um, they, can, they are now finding that they're linked with obesity. So a more obese picture has a certain gut microbiome or a gut, gut map, I guess, that you want to call it. Um, then there's things like the way the gut affects our hormones, the way our gut affects our mental health. I know you've spoken to Megan, a podcast that's still to be released at this current date but um, she's doing a lot about the gut microbiome and our mental health. And, you know, if you are fucking up with your gut microbiome and then in turn your mental health gets fucked up and then that again has an effect on what you put in your body because you might not be in the right mindset. So you're just going to binge on bad foods. You know, it just has this absolute snowball effect again. Like it's that whole picture of that one thing affects everything else. It's that butterfly effect inside the body. I don't know about you, but anyone who's tried them or used them in multiple times a day, man, I am so gassy. <laughs> I've gotten the runs from them. Like that in itself makes me feel like, like shit. And that is a clear sign to show that, oh, okay, something's going with my gut if I'm getting this really gassy, this tight, this cramping in my belly. Um oh, they just, they're so not helpful and people debate back and they go, oh, a lot of the science is done on rats. You can't extrapolate that to humans. And I say, well, yeah, totally. I get that. But that's where our science starts. It's the ethical thing. We have to start in those animal trials first. So if we're seeing now that animal trials are showing, you know, rats are showing negative effects from sweeteners now they're starting to do those human trials and we're sure we're seeing that negative effect on the gut microbiome in particular or the gut microbiome creating that obesogenic picture from things like low calorie sweeteners and then if we look at just the simple fact that they are artificial man made sweeteners if we put all of those pieces together a man made product That's proving to be negative in the animal studies world. That's proving to be negative slowly in the human studies world. And it's artificial. If we put those three things together, we get this cross product of a really bad thing. You know, they're man-made. They're totally not needed. They are not necessary to life. They're not an essential nutrient. They are formulated in a lab. They're showing to have bad effects on us. Why are we consuming them? Yeah, and those companies that use them, of course, it makes you addicted to them. You you like the taste. They taste yum. Of course, you'd use it from a manufacturing point of view, but it has nothing to do with health, nothing at all. Um, I just, yeah, if for when you put those, yes, the science is new. It is not conclusive that artificial sweeteners are bad for us, but artificial in the name, I don't want it. I'm sorry, I don't want it in my day. I don't want it in my diet. I don't want it in my client's diet. No, thanks. Keep it out
0: yeah definitely and some of the the implications that has that the research suggests that shows in mice is you know insulin resistance <laughs> cognitive impairment by impairing the the neurotransmitters it can develop into cancer all these sorts of effects that ADHD, these
1: ADHD.
0: exactly all these sorts of effects that are that have been shown in mice Yes, the research is, is still new and it's still coming out and it's really, really exciting to, not exciting, exciting is the wrong word. It's really, really interesting and I'm intrigued to see what the research is going to show later on the, down the track in the next decade based on. You know,
1: we're, we're having this bloom of diabetes, heart disease and cancers right now that are only increasing I'm just really scared for the next, you know, 40, 50 years to see what comes out in our long-term health because with all this food manufacturing, the food science, the the man-made impact on food, I'm I'm just waiting to see a new disease, a new metabolic syndrome or something like that, a diabetes type 4 to come out. Um, of these types of foods because we we just simply don't know and it's, oh, I'll keep reiterating that till the earth's end <clears throat> it's just an unnecessary component that we don't need
0: in our diet. I think the one thing we can all agree on, regardless if you're pro calorie counting or for calorie count, oh against calorie counting. It steers you away from listening to your body's signs and symptoms, the natural signs and symptoms that your body sends you each and every day to tell you that what you're doing is right, what you're doing is wrong, need more of this, less of this, you need to go to the toilet, you need sleep. These are all natural signs and symptoms that our body sends us, and we need to be more in tune with those. I think that's the general consensus above across the board. Would you agree, Jackie? Totally. 100% agree. Now, applying a practical element of how to listen to your body. I'd love to pick your brain and tips on how to actually listen to your body when you're talking from a, a satiation point of view and how to understand when you're actually full.
1: Yeah. So look, there's a, there's a lot we can delve into here. Um, (laughs) when it comes to physically eating, I think it gets banged on about and I kind of roll my eyes at the saying it too, but mindful eating, like I know it sounds really hippie and whatever, but when we rush our food, you don't give your body time to actually process what you're eating. It can take anywhere up to 20 minutes for your body to actually release digestive enzymes to release those hormones that tell us we're satiated and full and that we've had enjoyment from our food. So where you can, I think being really mindful about what you're eating and sit down to eat and actually enjoy what you're eating and take your time to eat so you can actually recognise those signs that you're full. One thing that I always tell to my clients is if you're hungry, eat. If you're full, stop. You should never get to a point where you're so unbelievably, you know, consumed with food that you feel ill. Now, we're all human. We've all done that. We all will get there at some stage in our life.
0: Christmas <laughs> like I know Thursday what I've eaten. Every year.
1: <laughs> yeah, 100%. And that's when it, yeah, totally go and do that. Eat until the earth's end. Eat until you have to change to your tracky pants. Like go on. For those special occasions, yes, that is more, that is bigger than the fruit. Go and eat, eat to the earth's end.
0: It's what life's but,
1: about. Yeah, exactly right. But at the end of the day, for majority of your life, Don't eat until you're completely stuffed. Eat until you've just gone, yeah, like, I think I'm pretty good. And then give yourself some time. Let your body process the food. And if you're still hungry half an hour later, maybe you didn't eat some more. So go and pump in some more vegetables or, you know, look at the day of what you've eaten. Do you need to get some more protein into your diet? Maybe, maybe you can go back and have some more, you know, lentils and chickpeas or whatever, whatever it is that you're eating. Um, Yeah. So when you eat, eat mindfully, try not to rush where applicable. And if you have rushed, if you know that you've gotten up late and you've just smashed a bowl of oats really quickly and you get out the door, you finally get to work 20 minutes later and you're still really hungry, just give yourself some time because your body's probably just playing catch up. Give yourself some time, let it process, have a glass of water. And again, if within sort of that hour after you are still hungry, definitely go and eat.
0: You probably haven't eaten enough. Definitely, Jackie. And another great tip that I use is, I'm not sure if you use this as well with your clients, is is the hunger scale. And I think that's a really, really great point of view to be able to associate when you're hungry and how your body's feeling at that point in time. And for people that aren't familiar with the hunger scale, imagine a scale from one to 10. 10 is being completely utterly full christmas day full where you need to unbuckle your jeans and and go put your tracky yeah. pants on that is 10 number one is when you know you haven't eaten all day you've done a big workout you've been running around and you're starting to feel dizzy lightheaded and you know you need food that is the opposite end of the spectrum we want to be somewhere between the middle so ideally five is that optimal level where we're, you know, we're not hungry, we're not full, we're just thriving as it is. We don't want to get to the point where we're at a one because at a one, we start to make poor decisions to get as, as whatever we want into our body. You know, from that point in, on in time, if you're at a one, you're going to grab anything and anything, everything to eat, regardless of what it is. And if you've got, you know, chocolate biscuits on the bench, you're just going to grab chocolate biscuits and, and tie them over. And you'll find yourself mindlessly eating in that moment because you're so fixated on getting the calories in you're not listening to your body whereas if we're at the 10 you know we've eaten so far beyond our hunger scale we've eaten so far beyond full which is fantastic for Christmas day like we mentioned you want to try everything that someone's brought on the table on Christmas day amazing go for your life 90% of the time even more than that we want to make sure that we're working within the sort of three to seven scale I would I would even say three is a little bit too low to get. So make sure before you're going to sit down and eat, ask yourself, how hungry are you? Rate yourself on a scale and be truly honest. I I do it, I have to sit down and look at my food. I know it's really hard because when you're super hungry, all you wanna do is just get that spoon and dive into your big bowl of oats, but put the spoon down, take a deep breath and ask yourself, how hungry am I? And more often than not, you know, if you're within that three, four or five range, then that's a perfect time. And then halfway through the meal again, put the spoon down. It's, I know it's challenging. Put the spoon down, ask yourself again, how hungry are you? If you're at a seven, why would you continue eating? The food's not going anywhere. You're blessed to be able to go to the fridge and and have access to that food all day long. Put the food down, go back to it later. That's a really, really great, great way to be more in tune with your body's signs and symptoms. Totally.
1: And another thing that I always say is like, is it hunger um you know one thing to check would be thirst I would firstly reflect on how much water have I had today if you know that you haven't had much I'd go and have a glass of water first and then maybe wait you know 20 minutes and see how you're still feeling the other thing is right now are you so hungry that you would eat a bowl of vegetables to cure your hunger if the answer is no it might not actually be hunger it might be thirst you know because a lot of people will just crave that sweet um you need to sort of be able to establish what it is, and on top of all of that is don't fear hunger. You know, for a lot of people that I think are listening to this, we're living in the Western world. We have a Coles, an Aldi, and a Woolworths, a servo, a service station down and around the corner. Food is so accessible; it is okay to have a little bit of hunger. You know, if I'm on the way home and I know I'm 40 minutes from home but I'm starving, I'm not going to pull into the drive-thru to get Macca's. I'm going to wait because I know it's just 40 minutes. Just wait till you get home. As you said, you know, rate that hunger scale. And if you know that food is going to be there really soon, just wait. It's okay. You're not going to die. Just allow yourself to, you know, relax a little bit and then get home and have that apple, have that handful of nuts, have the meal that you need to have, whatever it is, just don't okay. be afraid of a little bit of hunger because sometimes people get into that like slight bit of hunger and they freak out. It's like, oh, I need food now, give me food.
0: Really just great practical tip up. there, Jackie, I think. And, and that's such a really relevant tip as well. We often are on the way home and we know we've only got 20, 40 minutes to get home, but we will pull into the drive-thru and just grab you know some McDonald's and then we're mindlessly eating because we're not focusing on digestion. We're focusing on eating the McDonald's while we're driving, which yeah. is not ideal yeah. But I guess I love the point where you said you get home and you have the the apple or the handful of nuts. They're fantastic sources of fuel to fuel your body when you are hungry. One, with the apple, you're jam-packed with fiber and antioxidants. And as we know, fiber keeps us fuller for longer. Nuts, they often get a bad rap in the calorie counting if it fits your macros approach because of the higher caloric value, nine calories nine calories per gram of of fat they often get demonized fats are fantastic they're essential for us to survive they're the building blocks of life so do not demonize fat and try and look for fibrous foods within that realm because we know that they're going to keep us fuller for longer and fibrous foods we all know what fibrous foods are they're your fruits and your vegetables and your whole foods
1: yeah exactly right um that's, yeah, I think people demonise calories. They demonise fats. Again, as I said, if you look at what calories are, take them for what they are. They are a measurement of energy. If you don't have energy, if you don't consume energy, you will simply die. And like I said, with food being so accessible, it's around the corner. Like I literally have, within two kilometres of my house, I have an Aldi, an IGA, a Woolworths, um, a Coles, and I've got about three or four service stations around me. Food is so accessible that I think we lose the meaning of what it really is. And if we look at food as fuel, you're not going to go and put a can of Coke in your Ferrari because that's not going to make it run well. You're going to fuel it with, you know, your premium unleaded or whatever it is. Make sure that you put your premium fuel into your body, not feeding it with shit. Feed it with the right foods. Feed it with those high fibrous foods. Feed it with whole foods. And you really can't go wrong. Don't lose the perspective of food with that whole counting calories and the whole availability of food. That's what happens. You lose that perspective of what it actually is. It is fuel. Calories are good. Calories are good for us. Overeating too many is not. But in a general rule of thumb, we need calories to survive. So don't lose that perspective. Food is
0: fuel. Couldn't agree more there, Jackie. You've got some hot competition for um, supermarkets around your area. Where do you divide most Uh, of the time?
1: I know. Oh, look, I actually am an organic grosser girl. So I go to one that's a a while away or not a while. It's like 10Ks from my house. In this current time, I'm getting their food and veg box delivered. But if I have to go to a supermarket, I'm a Coles girl.
0: I like it. I like it. Yeah, much the same as you. I try and go to as farmers' markets wherever as possible. But during the current climate, we obviously can't do that. So
1: yeah, um, and any little bits and bobs, it's always Coles.
0: Yes, definitely, definitely. Now, guys, I hope you got a lot out of that episode. I know me and Jackie could both talk for days and days and days about things related to calorie counting and tips and tricks on how to start listening to your body more but I think this is a great sort of starting point for someone without overloading information and if you guys want to know any more information it can be highly personalized please reach out to Jackie or myself um, we'll be able to steer you in the right direction and don't beat yourself up if you're counting calories at the moment that's okay you know just take a deep breath take what you've learned today on board and don't necessarily start thinking that you have to stop calorie counting immediately start weaning off that process and understanding and listening to your body's signs and symptoms and signals more often because if you start doing that you can't go wrong your body will tell you exactly what it needs when it needs it so I think that's a, a good point to start just two more
1: quick little points on that as much as we've sort of, I guess, slammed Calorie County a little bit. Um, yeah. Don't make it like, if you are doing it, you're not a bad person. We're not, we're not, you know, judging you for that at all. And I'm not judging. I guess like we said, we've all done it. Um, it's just about finding where you are in your journey in your fitness journey and your health journey, whatever it might be, and making sure that it's applicable for you. But if you at all resonated with any of those points that we've said, maybe it's time to have a step back and reflect on what you're doing with yourself. Have a think, is this right for me? Do I need to keep going? Maybe I need to invest in a coach. Maybe I need to speak to someone about it, whether it be someone like Matt or myself or a psychologist or whatever it is. But if you've at all resonated in even the slightest bit, I would be taking a look at what you're doing. Um, Don't take it on with judgment, just take it on board from the fact. Um, And on top of that, one more little point, sorry, that I have to mention with the whole, are you hungry question and trying to distinguish hunger is that a lot of the time I'll be speaking with my clients and I'll, I know that they're under eating and I'll say to them, were well, you hungry? Are you hungry at all? Cause you're not eating that much. And they'll go, no, no, I'm not really hungry. My second question to them is, are you tired? Because tired is a reflection on what we're fueling our body with our energy levels, like Matt does with the hunger scale, I get my clients to rate their energy in the morning uh, from one being I need to go to sleep and 10 being bounding and leaping with energy. I get them to rate it out of 10 in the morning, then and again at at sort of 2, 3 p.m. in the afternoon and then before bed. You know, if you're a 10 out of 10 before bed, something's going on. If you're a 1 out of 10 when you wake up in the morning, you might not be sleeping right. Or if you're a 1 out of 10 in the afternoon, that's also not a good thing. Food, as I said, fuels your body. It gives you energy. If you're tired, that also might be a symptom of undereating. So, hunger, thirst, and undereating—sorry, uh, hunger, thirst, and um, fatigue levels are sort of three things that I would like to look at when I work with my client in terms of how much they're actually eating, whether it's over or under.
0: Love that, Jackie. And I think just following on for that, it's so, so important that we, you know, seek out that professional guidance for these reasons, because they're. Uh, an abundance of different reasons that you may be experiencing the signs of symptoms you are it could go deeper than are you thirsty or are you hungry it could be actual hormonal balances it could it could be heaps of different things so please go seek that professional guidance Um, they'll be able to steer you in the right direction and develop a treatment plan for you and I guess on that note another little sort of uh, before we I know I, I promised myself I wouldn't bring this up Jackie but I'm, I'm going to bring it up <laughs> and that's okay. the the unregulation of like nutrition advice on social media it's really hard for the consumer to distinguish between advice from an influencer with 15,000 followers to an actual accredited nutritionist dietitian that's giving you advice yes the influencer may have your quote unquote best interests at heart but It's not practical like we spoke about before. We need to start giving the nutritionists and dieticians the credit that they deserve for the countless hours and the practical element that they place on everybody's life, guys. So please take a look at who you're following, where you're getting advice from, if they're accredited. Yes, they may have your best interests at heart, but yet it might not work for you and it could be causing a whole array of other problems in your life. So please check in with And on on that note, also just be
1: mindful with doctors. Again, I'm not slamming doctors at all, Um, but, you know, it's been brought to my attention in America, in Australia, that doctors also don't get much nutrition training at all. I think it's a matter of hours, like, you know, 10 hours, 20 hours maybe. So, and I know a lot of doctors that have referred some really horrid diets to clients that I've just about, my jaw has fallen on the floor. Um, just because they are a medical professional, it doesn't mean they specialize in nutrition. So, if it's a nutrition thing that you are wanting, seek a nutritionist dietitian. Don't like not saying that your doctor's going to give you bad advice, but they're not necessarily trained in it like we are. So, please just also make that distinguishing fact. What I just say to people is go seek a health professional with a qualification. If what they have said doesn't sit right with you, you've got an odd gut feeling about it, keep questioning and always question. Question until that gut feeling is settled.
0: The beauty about this sort of holistic health and and um, natural healing realm, Jack, is that you are not necessarily going to the professional and expecting them to give you the you know the magic pill that's going to cure everything they're going to guide you on your own journey and they're going to help you make the realizations for yourself and i think that that's been the most invaluable thing for me learning how to adapt these methods that I've learned into my own lifestyle and then follow them on to teach my my clients about them I think that that's one of the most bit of invaluable bits of advice that I've reached is that I've gotten is to you know follow your own journey and gotten advice to follow my journey from, yeah. from a health professional you
1: know, do do your own research question I just always say question everything question 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 Because, you know, if I can't give my client an answer of why I'm doing something, I'll either say to them, I'm actually not sure, let me research it, let me have a look, or I'll say that's a question that you need to ask X and refer on, or I wouldn't recommend it in the first place. I like to make sure that whatever, you know, practical advice or therapeutic, whatever it is that I'm giving, I know why I'm doing it. And I personally would need to be confident. So you need to make sure that you gain that confidence and you, you get that confidence within yourself as a patient or a client or whatever it might be. Um, it's one thing that I try and stress so much is just question everything. And it's same with my Instagram, if you're following me and something that I say doesn't sit right with you, or you're not sure why I said it, please question me. And more often than not, I've done my research. So I will be able to give you a straight up answer. Um, so just make sure that you are getting that right advice from what you believe is right, Um, you've got to make sure it follows and fits with your beliefs and your values too
0: summed it up perfectly there Jackie well it's been an absolute blast I've, so, I've enjoyed this episode so much it's definitely a, a little passion of both of ours and I really really hope that you guys got a lot out of this episode and, and it really sparked you to start questioning things and really listening to your body a little bit more because after all Jackie and I are just here to, um, to promote health and, and really help you guys help yourselves 100% Well, friends, I'm so glad that you made it this far and you got to the other side. There was a lot of content discussed in that one, and I hope that you guys can go back to this podcast three, four, five times and really grasp and understand the information that Jackie and I spoke about. I guess to really hammer home our main message here, folks, is that we're not... Totally against calorie counting. Both Jackie and I think it does serve a purpose and this episode wasn't designed to belittle anyone that may be counting calories at the moment. We just wanted to give you a greater understanding of how nutrient density and the nutrients that make up the foods that you're eating are just as important as the total caloric value. In saying that, if you have any questions about the episode, don't hesitate to reach out to Jackie or myself. I'd love to get to know you personally and be able to help you on your health journey. In saying that, friends, if you're loving the podcast so far, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the show. That is all I have for you this week, friends. I cannot wait to see you next time on the Euphoria Health Podcast. Have a fantastic week, guys.